Hey folks, it's Food Truck Awareness Month during the entire month of May. Brought to you by We Are Live and St. Louis Live. Food Truck Appreciation Month. No. Food Truck Excellence Month. Nope, 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 nope. Food Truck Black History Month. No, but interesting. Food Truck Awareness Month. There you go, Travis. Be sure to enter to win gift certificates from all of our participants by going to the We Are Live Facebook page and sharing your favorite truck's official post. Enjoy all the great stories of these independent business owners on WeAreLiveRadio.com. So stick with us for the entire month of May. Food Truck Awareness Month. Cornerstone Mortgage's Melissa Kaiser. She's a loan officer and she is here to help. Not only does she specialize in helping first-time homebuyers, she'll work with you on your USDA, VA, conventional loans, and much more. She is always available for her clients and can't wait to work with you. Contact her today, 314-346-6264. She'll make your dreams come true. Melissa Kaiser, Cornerstone Mortgage, does not endorse the singing. Equal housing lender, Illinois Residential Mortgage Licensee, 9717 Landmark Parkway Drive, Suite 101, St. Louis, Missouri, 63127, NMLS number 650731, company NMLS 223109. Everybody, it's Chris, double feature time today. Proud to bring you a conversation with the band Eternal Summers, followed by Travis and I chatting with Hari Kondabalu, the comedian who has the documentary that's out called The Trouble with a Pooh. Highly recommend you watching that. Had a great time with uh, Hari over at Gaslight Lounge. And then uh, Eternal Summers dropped by. They played a show at Foam, but uh, they're one of these bands. They're uh, they're right there. And uh, before you know it, they'll be playing theaters and everything else. So enjoy those. And also know that uh, June 2nd, that's right, June 2nd, the send-up on Shaw. Ian Bag, Jonathan Kite, the Bernie Sisters, Gavin McNutt, and uh, live podcasts, food from Zia's Food Truck, Cha-cha chow. Lots of fun. Be sure to get your tickets at WeAreLiveRadio.com. Enjoy today's podcast. You are now tuned in to the Free Play Media Podcast Network. Live, Chris Denman and Travis Rowe. We have a very special guest in studio today, live from Gaslight. First, got to tell you about our big event, June 2nd, right here at Gaslight. Travis, are you looking at that wide shot? I'm wide, Chris. You're checking it out. <laughs> June 2nd, you can get tickets online, weareliveradio.com. We have live podcasts, live music, uh, Gaslight artist Gavin McNutt and the Bernie Sisters. Comedy, we've got six great local comics, and then Travis, we're bringing in a couple treats from Los Angeles. Oh, wow, elitist. We know, uh, we know Jonathan Kite, you know him from Two Broke Girls, he's coming in, and then Ian Bag, obviously. Uh, very familiar with him, aren't you? I am. You are, that's right. That's Ian Bag coming in to headline. Coming in. I'm excited. We are live radio.com. Get your tickets today. Going to be a hell of a time. Uh, today, pleased to bring you a very special guest. He's, uh, he's, he's been in the news a lot lately, and I, don't, I think maybe we've got. A couple topics they hit on with him. Hari Kondabalu joins us live. Good to see you, man. Man, this is this is amazing. Am I in the wide shot too? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love it. I, I prefer it just beyond me, really, because <laughs> it's kind of an ego thing. Uh, Travis, is there anything you wanted to? I guess let's kick it off with uh, 
nothing really to chat about with the news with you. Why are you destroying my childhood? <laughs> you could have no, picked I, on Family Guy. Come on. I'm a huge King of the Hill fan. What do you... <laughs> That's a very good show, by the way. <laughs> right? I yeah. Love, it's you look back on that. Underappreciated. Futurama, uh, also incredible. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. There you you look go. back on that. So. Am I bringing any of you back? Am I bringing any of you back? <laughs> Uh, we're excited to have you back. You've, been, you've had a few. Uh, you had a one-off last time you were here. We were yeah. talking about the time before that. Uh, the snowstorm of oh. all snowstorms hit you, mm-hmm. and then you had a very, uh, I believe, intimate dinner with six yeah. people that made <laughs> yeah. it to the show. It was weird. We were like the pre, like you know people buying tickets in advance. Yeah. It was great. It was like 120, 100. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be a great weekend. Snowstorm hits. 12 people, 20 people. And this one show, I don't remember what we, the pre-sales were, but it definitely wasn't six. <laughs> we had six people. And I, I just straight up, I'm like, I'm not going to lie to them and pretend this is a show. So me, the host in the, in the feature, we just uh, went down into the audience and had dinner with them. Like, Shared a quesadilla with the, with the people. Yeah, it's, it's basically I'm performing in front of a family dinner, so why are we even <laughs> pretending? And so... You know, we, we got a bunch of dessert and drinks, and we talked. We, I let them sh- tell a story. Like, everyone was telling stories. <laughs> Why am I pretending that I'm the show at this point? It was the, really, the really The show fun. were the cheese sticks and, my, and, uh, and marinara. I mean, like, I, I don't honest. know if they were happy about us being down there or the fact that we plied them with free alcohol and drink, <laughs> but... Well, that's something uh, yeah. like even like to keep a good attitude about that. Whoever was there that time, yeah. really likes you, right? Yeah. And then now you're gonna have a fan for life. Comedy has no clear rules. That's what's right. great about it, right? Because it's a human being and a microphone. But you don't even really need the microphone, right? Like, you don't need any of it. Like you do what you can with the space, you know. So in that particular space at that particular time, it's like, well, we're gonna jump ship and just make it a dinner, right. and that's what you have to do. So, and I was getting paid either way. Right. <laughs> right. Check's clear. Yeah. We so good. we're good to go with that. So, okay. So you're here this weekend. Uh, here's the roadblock. So St. Louis is one of those cities yeah. that a baseball game or a holiday can mess with this. So we were talking a little huh. bit about that. Here's this crazy thing that's happening, and we're gonna tr- we're gonna get we're gonna work our asses off to get people out to come see you this weekend. Let people know. We have Cardinals Cubs, right? Oh, this is a weird, this is a weird thing happening. Yeah. So you have Cardinals Cubs, That's Cinco huge. de Mayo, and then. Uh, well, I don't want them, the folks celebrating Cinco de Mayo. You don't yeah, like, don't you don't like fraternity letters good. and sombreros no, coming. I'll, t- I'll take the six-person dinner. Piece. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Uh, you can also throw a big middle finger up to you two, who uh, rescheduled for this weekend. I wonder what crossover I have with you two. <laughs> Is that a good or a He's bad like, thing? I want to see the diagram of what that looks it's like. It's like, yeah. are we talking about like '80s you two or or Zuropa? Like, at what point? <laughs> Like pre Zuropa, I want those people. Right? Could we yeah. say that the Edge is performing at Helium and just kind of pull something off with uh, maybe pulling in some of their, scra- their scragglers into your show? I shows? mean, the, the, the Edge. The Edge when he was a young man, it's like yeah, he's the Edge. Now he's an old man that refuses to use his real name. <laughs> okay, the right. Edge. Yeah. Especially like if Lil Bow Wow can drop the Lil, mm-hmm. like the Edge, can, he can yeah. switch it. Still up. Bow Wow. He's still I mean, Bow Wow. A child. You're a thirty year old man. Bow Wow. <laughs> That's a that's a that's a like a that's a nursery rhyme. That's somebody who makes a bow wow. Hey, I'm an adult. So are you gonna go with rough bow wow? <laughs> not gonna not even rough, huh? Hey, nice to meet you. I'm bow wow. I'm bow wow. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> you should be. Yeah, bow wow. You're Mark. Yeah, <laughs> this is how it's gonna work. Who was the other? Who was um? 
Master P's son, who was it a, was La Romeo. La Romeo, of course, of course. There's a little bit nicely. of a condescension in his voice whenever he answered that for you, like La Romeo. No, because these were the questions I asked when I was younger. I was like, man, Lil Wayne, I love him, but he's gonna become 28 one day and have to start paying taxes. <laughs> Wayne, he's gonna have to go with Wayne. There's I'm just Wayne looking out for him. Out. But then he, he he made it work, right? He did, and then he became Wheezy and then brilliant, he, uh, smart man. Yeah. Chris, well, that, this is called hip hop. I was going to thank you for calling me in. That'll do it. Hey, thanks for coming oh, by, yeah, man. That's good. I think we. <laughs> I want him to go with Wayne. I wish he would. Imagine how shocking that would be. I'm going by my original name, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Wayne. <laughs> I, I, Puff, Puff Daddy is in the background Sean. going. Poor choice. <laughs> I, but I, I, I have had a hard time this week. The last couple of weeks for hip hop. For me, have been troubling. I'm gonna sit back and let you two take care well, of this. Well, here's the thing: it's it's like finding out wrestling's fake. So seeing Kanye go through this, it's so uh, crushing. Because to me, I'm like, oh man, no one can take down the Undertaker. He'll always be here. And then you like find out the Undertaker is like a Trump supporter, and you're just like, ah, oh, this is, is that weird right? now. Is I don't really? know if he is. I I don't know. But it would. It, that's what it feels like to me these days to see that makes Kanye sense. West be. He is a this peddler way. of death. <laughs> <laughs> it needed to be said. Thank you for put, putting that out there. But the under- do you, now, but do you first of all do you know Kanye personally? Yeah, I, I'm playing to six people in St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Kanye. I've been warning Travis for years. The guy's nuts. He, he's you have. It. I yeah. will give you that. Do you find like when being in the industry? Do you, have you encountered? And you don't have to name names, but have yeah. you encountered celebrities that you were like? Big fans of only to meet them and go, ah, oh, shit. I yeah, of course. Them. Of oh. course. It's like, wow, you really are a good actor because you're such an ass. <laughs> <laughs> like, you are so hard to be around and you're so good on screen. You are so likable. That's so impressive to me. That, that yeah. has to be, and that's the thing that will be frustrating to me. Because, Don't meet your idols. Well, yeah, well, I said for me, it is now down to Obama and Tom Hanks. If those two yeah. do it for me, that is. I stop believing in anything. <laughs> That's it for me. God, Tom Hanks has like a tape of him like sexually harassing women oh, while saying the N word. That is the. That would. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, not you, Woody. No. <laughs> not you. So he hated Bubba. <laughs> he didn't give a shit about the shrimp. No, but and then of course that segues us into does it? I, well, I read I read this on the twitters. Mm-hmm. Um, you being of course a big fan of The Simpsons, yep. and offering a honest, straight up and down, extremely articulate critique of a very popular character. Did you ever imagine from the documentary to where we are now that that particular critique would grow into what it's become now? I knew. It would be interesting and potentially big just because no one's ever criticized The Simpsons before. Right. And the fact that this was honest and personal. Yeah. And it was like, you know, there's been a big conversation about representation and who gets to control representation in the media. And so it was an opportunity to really have that discussion through something everyone could relate to. Right. And also, I was coming from the point of view of a fan. Yes. So it wasn't like somebody who was just trying to kill things. And so, and I also was able to address any potential trolls in the film, I was calling out a lot of the things I expected to hear. And so I'm like, look, I know what's happening. Let's not play that game. The thing I didn't expect is that the majority of people talking about the film or criticizing it and hating it had not seen it. 
That's 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 that's. I, I am shocked what, that someone would criticize something without seeing it. I think that's and everything I've seen from you as far as responses, it feels like you've been and not trying to kiss your ass because you're sitting in here, but I think you've maintained that the entire time. That you're Just like, watch the it's film. a discussion and it's my point of view. Yeah. And again, too, if you're gonna come out, you see that like get, have something incorrectly wrote about you in a paper or have something. Uh, taken out of context that you said to somebody in passing or something. Right. And then magnify it times a thousand. Yes. And that's kind of what you're dealing with on Twitter uh, and whatever else I would imagine. It's ups- like that was trending. Me and Apu were trending over uh, over Trump's lawyer's uh, Cohen's mm. office being raided. Mm. I'm like, this is why we're in this mess. Mm. It's not me making this film. It's the fact this film has taken more importance than the world. <laughs> Now, we, we talked about it briefly, and in it, you, you just described, and again, you're a fan. Yes. Uh, so now you're essentially tied to the hip. Oh, the irony of this. At Apu, right. which is what you were saying is like, hey, you were putting out the point you thought you could do better, Simpsons. Like, this yeah. isn't something you appreciate. And I hated being associated with Apu as a kid because, like, as a South Asian, especially growing up in the 80s and 90s, we didn't have anything. Right. Sure. Like, it took a long time to get... Like, our biggest breakthrough when I was in high school was Harold and Kumar. Right. That was seen as... A, imagine if Cheech and Chong was a revolutionary film. <laughs> like, like it shouldn't... That it's, It was a pop movie. It was a weed right. movie. Right. And, like, you know, it, it changed everything. After. I don't see it's what absurd. The, I don't see what the right. problem is because Dude Wears My Car represents my people <laughs> very, very well. That's so. the perfect... Actually, <laughs> the perfect analogy. Exactly. Yeah, like, right. if that was the thing that, like, was the breakthrough for all white people, you'd be like, oh, come on. <laughs> if I was... We took it, man. <laughs> if I was in India, I that's what I think that's where we lack some of the either empathy or respect for people's opinions. And again, yeah. too, opinions. I don't and we can get into it a little more, yeah. but it doesn't feel like you're saying burn it all down. No, you're saying can we look not, a little yeah. closer at it. Yeah, yeah and, and also there's there's I mean, first of all, let me see just to back up for one bit just about how absurd it is, like our representation was so poor mm-hmm. that Harold and Kumar, a weed movie, became our biggest thing. Right. And it was shocking to see an Indian dude smoke weed even though weed comes from India. <laughs> well, we made it. Right. We invented it. And there's so much ignorance. Nobody knows that. Mm. Wow. Like, are you kidding? You think Elephant God comes out of just day-to-day <laughs> living? What are you talking right. about? And so all of the, the complicated, wonderful things about culture, and also, like, uh, from the point of view of a comedian, right. the better jokes aren't the superficial things. Right. The better jokes is actually when you have the shared knowledge and you can get deeper. That's how things get more interesting. That was one thing like Chris Rocket said like when he was, I think he said this to Marin on WTF. He was talking about how like when he worked in SNL, which he loved, mm-hmm. the frustrating thing is he'd have to play all these parts he didn't want to play because it's not that the, the writers were racist. They just didn't know. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't know, you're playing the best of of a thing. Right. Like the, the most basic, like, you know, that Paul Mooney's, uh, the Paul Mooney, the Richard Pryor sketch. Yes. Paul Mooney wrote that. Right. It wasn't the SNL writers that wrote that. They wouldn't have been able to write the word association sketch prior. Right. Paul Mooney had to do that because mm-hmm. they wouldn't have, the experience w- wasn't close enough. You know, that's the thing. So when you're playing with a limited number of angles, it's going to be the same stuff. And the more honest a portrayal is, the more jokes you get out right. of it. So from a comedian, the whole Apu character, he's hacky. 
And he's, he was hacky then, he's hacky now. The Simpsons writers in the movie we talk about, right. the Simpsons writers said, don't make the clerk, he wasn't called a poo, he's a clerk, don't make him Indian because that's a comedy cliche. So even they knew they it was hacky. It, that they it, was, knew, it yeah. was hacky, it was just effective. And so from a comedy perspective, they've done the best they can with a hacky premise and they've actually built him into an interesting character. But at its core, it's still a ridiculous voice that does a lot of the heavy lifting. So how, how does a writer's room like The Simpsons, that's, again, the longest-running sitcom in television history. How does that... How, how do we get to a point where they're not as diverse, I guess, inside their writers? Which is surprising to me, because they touch on many progressive yes. issues, so it's surprising to know that they don't have as a diverse writer's room. Why is it so hard to finally get... And maybe this is the $64,000 question, but why is it so hard to get these networks who recognize so many talented comedians of color, but can't find time yeah. or room for them in their writer's room. That's fascinating. Out of the top 10 stand-up comics of all time, like black comics are probably half, if not the majority. And you're telling me you can't find funny black writers? Right. Really? Considering right. the history of comedy, really? Like, There's an interesting, Nell Scovel is going around mm -hmm. uh, promoting a book right now, and to hear, and again, to, and I, it's interesting to uncover some of this stuff, but her one of her points is after, I think she worked on Letterman for a year? In all of Letterman's history, for as progressive or whatever he is, not one time was there a black writer mm -hmm. in the room or something. And again, too, maybe they have their arguments to why they thought that, but I think what the point is you're saying is like you're like they're not valid. No, people people hire their friends. Yeah. So what does that say about America? You hire your friends and you hire who you're comfortable with. I don't think, you know, I think diverse friend circles uh, truly it's it's more common now, right. and it's still not as common as it should be. Would you say this is a perfect interview room? This right is now? exactly. <laughs> if you believe that women should not be present, yes, yes that's what I was getting at. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna get it with a gotcha. <laughs> he saw that. He saw me walking him right into that. Yeah, but I feel like you know, like that's a big part of it. You hire your friends, and I, I do think there's a sense of I've heard this in other rooms. I don't need to say which rooms, right. but from friends who've worked in different rooms that like you hear people. People say, I don't want to hire like people who are like minorities and stuff because it restricts everyone. People are un afraid to offend everybody. So what you're saying is you're all racist. Right. <laughs> what does that well, mean? Which is interesting. I'm glad you brought that point up because I, I've heard that as well. You yeah. hear that people say it's... Uh, we, we, they talk about this, the, the space of the writer's room is yes. very sacred, so you should be feel free to, to say it. And, and I feel like you can do that without being uh -huh. racist. It's, what, is, what is going on oh, in these writer's rooms? It's not only that. Can't. I grew up in Queens, New York, uh -huh. most diverse place in the world. I had like lunch with, we called our table the UN, like our lunch table, because <laughs> everybody was there. It, we said the most fucked up things in the world <laughs> oh, to each oh, other, <laughs> but it's because we were all there that it felt different. Right. Because it's not like, you know, I'm saying something to my friend Kofi. It's not like he's not going to get me back. Right, Because it's right. like, well, you know, your family you know, came here on a mango ship. It's like, well, <laughs> oh, that's cool. You got to choose to come here. Like, there was the... the... <laughs> and the thing about that... See, I would have thought a guy named Kofi grew up in rural Alabama. Right, right. So, I'm, yeah, I'm but confused. Like, we all get to share that. Right. You know what I mean? And and so I remember leaving Queens and going to school in Maine, going to other places, and those jokes being made to me like, oh, wait a second, there's no... It's one way. Right. Like, we're not all in on this because, like, we're not sharing that sense of, like, we're all from somewhere. And this is, and that's the difference. Like, if we're all in that room, I refuse to believe that a diverse writer's room leads to worse comedy. I think it leads to more ideas, different ideas. Probably walk down more paths. More of course. Yeah. Yeah. New ideas always into, I mean, that's, people are excited about things that are new and interesting. Sometimes people like something that's familiar in terms right. of format, but they like a new character, a new idea. 
like, I mean, I don't understand how that can hurt. So I think it's people holding on to their power, and I think it's people hiring their friends and not having a, a broad enough range of, of ideas and friends and people they should be hiring from. Some of it's systemic, man. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, when... I forgot who, which show it was for, but um, it might have been for The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. This is a story I heard, but it was that he wanted to have a really diverse room, right? right? And he gets all these applicants, and it's not nearly what he wanted. So he's like, what's going on? How did you reach out to people? And it's like, you know, we did what we normally do. You know, we put something out, and, and we, we got all the agents and managers to distribute. And it's like, well, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. problem is a lot of people of color, women, like... Like, gay folks, they don't have agents and managers because nobody believes that they're going to make any money. Mm. So, of course, the people you're distributing it to, it's going to be the same old people. Right. You have to find new ways to reach people. You can't just go to UCB Theater and the Groundlings and other places and assume, there you go. Right. Like, Leslie Jones, I mean, like, she wasn't working through that. It had to be through stand-up. Her voice was yeah. so strong. And, and she was doing it for a long time a before long she got time. to that point. A giant star. I mean, she's making a lot of people money now. And they would never have, if they didn't go to a different place, if they just right. looked in the same old place, they wouldn't have found her. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, the people are out there. The, I mean, there's, we haven't, for all the people that say, you can't say this anymore, you can't say that, you can't make a show like All in the Family. It's like, you're not supposed to. That was 30 years ago, you, you goddamn hack. What's wrong with you? The hackiest right, people, you right. can't say this. Yeah, yeah, because it's been 30 years. Things right. change. You may, the best jokes are in front of us. We don't even see them. Right. What, what, what has what, been, oh, go ahead. No, after you. I was going to say, what has been, I guess, the reaction from other comedians, even comedians of color, to this entire controversy? Have they, you know, supported you? Have they had their own opinions about the matter? How has the comedy community as a whole, I guess you can ultimately say, responded? You mean to to my face? That's better yet. That's the best way to put it. Yes, to your face. There's a correlation, in my opinion, to be made between the... Michelle Wolf stuff with a correspondence yeah, yeah. center and what you're doing too. By the way, I yeah. think there's I think there's some some pathways. There. Oh yeah, but, I'm, I, but, me yeah. making a, a movie about a cartoon character. I'm too sensitive, right? <laughs> As opposed right. to well, it was a critical media analysis. I'm not actually aff- offended by it. It's been a long time, and I'm an adult now. Right. You're too sensitive. <laughs> Michelle Wolf goes after all the people with power right. who run the world. Just a little too mean. <laughs> Just too mean. <laughs> Like, what's wrong? What do you do? You know Michelle? About? Like, how Anna great Michelle. is that? I love. Yeah, we had I her we had her on, sweetheart. and she seems great, and she's had a lot of great success in the last year. Great comedy, yeah. And uh, I toured I, with her, um, Jeff Ross, and and Chris Rock in Europe. Oh, good God! Completely different comics. <laughs> oh yes, right. Mercy. And Europe, and they will respond. Did you go to like Norway or where? Yeah. Where, okay, yeah. I've, I've heard Norway. All and like, I, obviously, there's mm-hmm. more European countries, but I've heard it's a Goddamn delight! They oh, Norway was my favorite. Yeah, I loved Oslo, man. That audience was great, I've man. Heard, I've heard Amsterdam was great. Uh, the Belgians were a little tight. <laughs> I don't know. Belgians. I mean, I, I'm too busy before. taking over small town breweries. Right, <laughs> but it was still like, yeah, it was great. But you, you know, you see from Michelle, like every day she was writing a bunch of new jokes and perform. I'm like, you're doing She's new jokes worker, in front man. of five thousand people. <laughs> but that's what she's like. I don't want to yeah. stop. Like I want to keep going. And you know, I throw one in, and you know, one new joke, and I'd be excited. And she was like, "Half your set was new in front of five thousand people." Like, that's that's insane. She doesn't care. I mean, it, it was impressive. Yeah. But everybody overall has had, and I've seen your interaction. And then we've talked about it on our show that it's you have the the, the conversation that you you've had, just even in regards to representation, has been 
It, it, it's, it, it hasn't had a mean-spirited bone. It's been articulate. I think you've been it's pretty been, open to yeah, pushback, yeah, actually. Like, 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 I'll give I, you that for sure. Put it this way. It's been the most mature, quote-unquote, controversial conversation. Obviously, from your end, specifically. That Let me no point one that has out. listened to. But no, and which is my bottom, because I look at, I see the tweets that you send out and the arguments you've made, and I go, not at any point did he... I'll be honest, sitting here with you, you're an asshole. Like, <laughs> that's just, the no. truth comes out. <laughs> no. So, because we, like I said, we don't talk about it. And, and like I said, we've had several conversations about a ton of social issues. And we even joke when we bring up the issue of police brutality, we have to immediately preface with, hey, we 1,000% support police officers. It's it's as if no matter what I say, yeah, yeah, if yeah. it doesn't align with what you already believe. You need a million qualifications. It's weird. Yeah, it's you exactly. strange. Exactly. Like, that's not how you're so supposed to. So I would imagine yeah. you may have had similar blowback from other comedians who, who, who probably saw it as comic on comic crime. Yeah, yeah, somewhat, which is hypocritical. Right. Which is hypocritical because you're allowed to make fun of or go after everything. These are the same folks that political correctness taken them. You, you, you can't talk about anything anymore. All right, I'm talking about The Simpsons. Well, I mean, you can't. <laughs> I, 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 you can talk about everything except the show that is known to talk about everything. Right. Like, that's ridiculous. And it wasn't a comic. I'm going after an institution. Exactly. I was going to say, ridiculous. because now it's kind of fractured into, we interviewed Hank Azaria a couple weeks ago, and the first thing, uh, I don't want to get too into it, but yeah. we were... Uh, we only talked about Brockmire. And it yeah. wasn't because he was being weird or anything. It was just, okay, we get it. Yeah. That's what you're promoting. Cool. Uh, and then you hear him talk about it. He seems fairly open to yes. discussion. And then... Did you hear his uh, thing on Colbert? We, yeah. incredibly yeah. Well, sweet. we, we yeah. told... We were like, oh, he didn't want to break it on our dumb little show. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, That's what we now were I about. see. We could yeah. like, have got like, that answer out of him. If how he, how yeah. sad is that that that's a, a big breakthrough that a right. voice actor says... He learned something after 30 years. It's not, you know, it's... It's weird. It's not, it shouldn't be a big breakthrough. At the same time, me and a lot of people in my community, that's actually kind of what we wanted, just the acknowledgement that we exist and that we existed then. You know, when The Simpsons responded in their show, I was shocked because, like, first of all, this was a heartfelt, like, documentary and honest. It was like a letter to my community and and I shared this with with a lot of people and it was somewhat personal and um, it, it, it had this nuancing but I didn't expect them to respond right. right if I was a you know if I was a troll and I wasn't being a troll but if I was a troll I just won like you right, sh- you right. just showed gotcha. me your cards right, right. So you're not you, you're supposed to ignore me right. or if you do address it you address it thoughtfully like the simpsons but they kind of responded flippantly yeah. in a way that like dude I just won I just won because like the main thing about The Simpsons is that you think it's not done with mean spirits. Right. I never thought it was. I feel like it, it was what we talked before. It was, it was ignorance, the lack of diversity in the writer's room, playing to the lowest common denominator. It's, it's easy. Right. You know, and even they would probably admit that, at least from the documentary, it seems to admit that. But when they kind of responded in a way that was so like, oh, you guys are fragile. Some kid makes Matt a Greening. documentary right, right. On, on, on True TV, and, and <laughs> right. the, after 30 years, that did That's, you in? You right. couldn't handle that? I, I could see that, too. Like, why not come back with a jab at, like, you put your documentary out on, like, Something that used to be court TV. That's right. Like there, there you go. go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> right. This is the biggest thing that's happened to that network till OJ killed Nicole. You know right. what I mean? Right. Yeah, Matt Groening. The... It, it felt personal when I hear you who responded this week. Uh, as far as uh, yeah. as far as I guess just him reaching out to you. So I don't know. It's they didn't it's, watch the movie. Yeah. Do you think that's what no it is? No way they watched the movie. 
know, which is it's so bizarre. I guess that's so bizarre to me. I just feel like. On a much smaller level, we've, that's we've so dealt with a very much smaller, tiny thing. Anybody who watched the movie, it's, it's, they're, they're not, either they watch the movie, either they didn't watch the movie and that's the response, mm-hmm. or they watched the movie and they figured not enough people watched it, so we're just going to go with this kind of trolling yeah, like mode, answer right. that's, that's just going to hit them in the gut. Because that, they basically, both of them basically said what a billion trolls on the internet said, and right. that's The Simpsons. That's hacky also, by the way, yeah. when a billion people on the internet beat you to something. <laughs> So, so you said you were. This is a bit of a letter to your community, right? As well as, yeah. I mean, it's like saying, "Hey, this is the stuff we weren't able to say before." Sure. It was also a great way to talk about this topic through something everybody, everyone knows, The Simpsons. Yeah. And at the same time, as a comedian, it was a comedy documentary. I felt uh, we had a unique opportunity. Jay Sharon Sekar grew up in Chicago. He's right. Indian American. Was recently very funny himself and. Right, plenty of controversial, silly stuff. Super Troopers, another uh, big film for the Indian community. (laughs) Number one on Super Troopers. Indian dudes with mustaches, that was huge for us. Uh huh, good for you. <laughs> but he, but he, he said somebody was like, I think the character's funny, and uh, I liked it. But I also support Hari in your, in in your opinions and in your challenging nature to do that. Like I don't. That's that was. I was like, why isn't everybody kind of responding that's, like that? What, I don't what's even been... hate the character. That's right. the thing. It's yeah. a, it's like I, I'm a comedian, and it's a, and they built a good character out of a really faulty foundation, sure. which is impressive. That all these writers are like, okay, this is really hacky. We're doing the same jokes. What can we do to mm. make him? So they made it more complicated, like his relationship with Lisa and vegetarianism. Right. The fact that he's like the smartest one on the show, which I say, by the way, in the you do. In the film, early in the film. Yeah. You're going to blow a gasket. Right. Like, you're like, this is, no one let's watch the damn thing. It's like, yeah. I, I addressed all this stuff, you know. I mean, How, what about yeah. with, what about diving deeper into mm-hmm. Indian community, whether it's not even just stars or people? Uh, obviously, India's massive, massive area. <laughs> South, you know, South Asia, there's all kinds of different people. So I'm not trying to say just like, well, you sure, speak sure, for sure, all sure. Indian people. But oh, uh, I've seen things people have written. I definitely do not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I did. I have a funny story. We were working with, uh, we work with some people that uh, are from Mumbai. <laughs> yeah. And they heard your last name and they were yeah. like, uh, and you're, I guess you're, where your last name is traditionally from a part of India that they're not familiar with. And they were just like, yeah, not. That's not. Yeah, they didn't not even know. It, it was funny. It's, it's from, it's, we're, the, from my, we're from the South, the more educated part of India. So I'm not nice. surprised. Yeah. <laughs> it's going there. Uh, you didn't think this video right. podcast Hey, give me this right here, right here. Oh, there there. it is. All right, come on. Give it there, buddy. You didn't think I could do that. (laughs) Make a North Indian joke in this environment. I like that. Look, we talk about it a lot on our show, and uh, especially when Black Panther came out, it was... Trash movie. It was because for... Which was interesting because... These these weird benchmarks that Hollywood establishes. Yeah, yeah. And I was... I laughed when everyone put so much pressure on this movie to do well globally. And I'm like, well, there are numerous um, Eddie Murphy films and action films with Wesley Snipes that I can also point to. That yeah, yeah. So it's weird to have to go through these benchmarks. What is that like on your level? You're closer to it. You're obviously in the industry. What do those benchmarks look like up close? What are some of the reasons you hear when you meet with execs or you meet with showrunners or whomever when it comes to, well, we want to do this, but 
man, it's hard to sell this. Like for the longest, again, when it came to Black Panther, it does, oh man, it's tough to sell a black cast internationally. And you're like, is it? Well, Have you tried? It's gotten a little better, but, right. it, but it's still one of those, it's a little better, but it's still like, but we already got one of those. It's like but box is checked. <laughs> oh wow! I mean, it, it's it's better than it was. But when Asif Manvi and Hassan Minaj were on the Daily Show, I'm like, I'm not getting anything there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, and to the both of them are, are good friends, but I know like that's that's that seat is taken. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wow. And so. Uh, now you guys know the pressures I face every <laughs> oh. day. Like, fine. I mean, do you, day, do you know how many yeah. non-things I can't get now because there's so many white straight dudes everywhere? Like, God. Where's I, my white panther? <laughs> I mean, the thing is, I, I'm nothing like any of those guys. Right. You know, like, my, my, the way I talk, my aesthetic, the, everything. Like, there's a completely different... I mean, when I started, I got, uh, you know, well, mostly South Asians would bring up Russell Peters. I'm like... Dude's ten years older and from Canada. He's very like, Canadian. He he and he only We're like different. doesn't he like work mostly with Canadian people, right? A lot of and, the time. Uh, I feel I just feel like he does a lot with Canadian folks. Yeah. Well, he well he's big there. I mean, yeah. he's huge. I mean, he hosted like their Juno. Junos is like their Emmys, like uh, sorry, their Grammys, and mm-hmm. he's like this international star. And uh, Russell was fantastic in this movie, by the way. And I wish we had more stuff on him because he does accents. Right. And he talked a lot about the difference between I do it like I know and it's my culture and my people, and I know when I'm being laughed at. And I know when I'm being, you know, when I'm being mm. clowned, and when I when it's done with love, which is which is something comedians of colors I always say. I've heard Dave Chappelle say that similar. He was like, I kind of had to walk away from the show because it felt like the pixie ah, sketch. Yes, yeah. exactly. So I would imagine that up front is a raw feeling. Yeah. Oh, and I've seen like South Asian comics do the voice, and I'm like, dude, you know that's not how your parents sound. You know that you're doing your version wow. of the Apu voice. Wow. You know, I know that's not for us. <laughs> Don't lie to me. I know that's not. Is there gross. a knowing stare that you have with that? They're like, oh, I'm, I've been, I, I've been exposed. I, I, I've, oh man, I hate fake smiling, but I've done so much of it. Yeah, that happens. Like, oh man, I'm so, so, I'm so glad that you're up there. Another one of us is up there, doing that, <laughs> doing that thing that you just did. Oh, I gotta follow you now. Oh, okay, okay. What words shouldn't I use now? Big ones. Okay, this is good, man. Thanks. Thanks for putting me in this position. <laughs> so what's, so with this kind of uh, igniting, reigniting, however we want to put it, mm-hmm. uh, with your stand updates, how have, uh, I guess, crowds responded or how has it affected your interaction with uh, the stand-up community? Uh, with, with crowds coming Sure, sure. Well, I mean, I'll answer the other question that you had mentioned, just other comics. I mean, it's been mostly supportive, I think. Yeah. And I think it's because comics like, oh, you found a new angle and a new... Like, comics like new angles. They yeah. like new ways to do it. Right. They like challenging things. So I think a lot of the, there's comics who were totally like, dude, this is great. Comics I wasn't even close to. You know, John Mulaney sent me... Like, I like John. We like each other, but you know, we, we're not close. Yeah. Um, but he sent me a really nice long note about how much it meant for him to see that. And I'm wow. like... I mean, like, stuff like that. And I got a bunch of those, you know. Nice. Bigley wrote me something, you know. Nice. Uh, Jim and Jeannie Gaffigan. Like, these are people that... They're, that's what it is. Like they're open-minded, but also it's like that's a good comedic thing to do as well. Right. Way so, to open up a new door. Right. Yeah. It's like this is like that's what we're all looking for is the new the new territory, the new ground that we can that walk on and talk about. So 
they were really supportive and they got it and it was cool. So you have a lot of comics like that, a lot of right. comics of color, obviously, um, and women and people are like, yeah, these are our issues. Or these are different but similar to our issues and thank you for right. putting that out there. But then you have a, a contingent of comics who are like, it's another example of killing comedy, political correctness. You watch the film? Political, did you watch the film? Political <laughs> correctness. And it's this um, idea that like I'm, you know, you're 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 not allowed. It's just this weird, like you're the thought police, and I'm like right. the thought police. <laughs> the th- you think I'm part of the th- if first of all, there's no such thing, because if the thought police existed and they acted like real police, there'd be so many dead bodies. Like, so <laughs> so many of you would be dead right now. What are you? You're telling me I the thought, thought police thought hadn't had a cell killed phone. you yet? Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> his thought had a cell phone. He made a quick movement. <laughs> right. What'd you oh, say about man. the Holocaust? <laughs> right. Right. What are you talking about? Like, don't tell me I'm the thought police because I'm saying something you don't like. Right. That's the weird thing about this idea of offensiveness, it's not a clear definition, right? So right. Yeah, I have my definitions and right. I have my ideas of what I don't like or I don't stand for, but I'm not going to stop you from saying yours. I'm saying this is what I'm saying. This I'm right. saying mine. So you're telling me that you have an issue. It's really you that's like po- trying to police me, but ultimately none of us are policing each other because we have nothing to do with the Constitution. <laughs> You were fighting free speech with free speech. There is no, you know what I mean? And if you're upset about, like, I just don't like that people are responding to what I'm saying. You're a comic. (laughs) Your whole life is dealing with what other people think. Don't lie to me. (laughs) Like, all you do is worry about how people are going to react to you. So that's a lie. And secondly, all these years, all I hear, they don't take us seriously. People are heckling or they don't care about us. Okay, well, now everyone's talking about what you said. I don't like all this criticism. I'm like, shut up. Don't read it then. Do, do your jokes, idiot. This is what you do. This is our job is to tell jokes. Right. And you do to the best. Like, when I hear a comic and I see something repulsive, I'm like, and it's something like I absolutely hate. Even if I think, well, that's a clever joke, though. Like, those are different <laughs> things, by the way. Like, you can think something is a really well written, structured, not hacky joke. But its point of view is disgusting. Right. My job isn't to go up there and reprimand you. Right. My job is to write a joke that counters the logic of your joke and for my joke to be better. That's how the game of comedy works. Mm. And that's what I do. And so when I made a film, I didn't say, pull the Simpsons off the air, get rid of the character. What I said is, these are the issues I face and this is what I think about it. Mm. And then if you want to ask my opinion about like Apu, it's like, to me, I think just keep the character, just make it more interesting, and, and that's a bigger issue. Make the show more interesting. You've done the same plots over and over again. You're telling me that if, if Apu's kids talk, that would be bad? You, you're telling me if he um, owned multiple stores and didn't have to work in them, that would be, not be interesting? There There's yeah. interesting plots in there if you open up stuff. And don't tell me uh, I'm be, being forced to change the show. Characters have died. Voice actors have died. Reverend Lovejoy's wife, I heard the voice actor for that got fired because they wanted more money. So don't tell me about fucking integrity. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's, let's not talk about integrity. They almost did a whole right overhaul, by the way, when it was. I can't. Who's the main uh, act? I don't. Who uh, is it? Harry Shearer? Oh, yeah. Like he, he was almost out like five years ago. I mean, like, everyone's full of shit. I mean, that's what it is. <laughs> I kind of want to end on that note. <laughs> everyone's all... full of shit. I mean, everyone's full of shit, and except me, who was a Netflix special out May 8th. There it well, is. Everybody... There it is. <laughs> Everyone else who's saying, like, he's just going for his 15 minutes of fame. I don't want this. <laughs> you spend your life not wanting to be called a poo, and now that's all people talk about is you and this stupid <laughs> character together. I didn't want this. 
I worked for a Netflix special. <laughs> I busted my ass. Congratulations, but that's you. awesome. Yeah. And so that you know, ultimately, like, I want people to see that and judge it on like this is what I actually do. Right. You know, uh, and if you don't like it, I'd like you to not like my stand up. Exactly. You know, right. that's <laughs> at least that's something. That's what I do. You know what I mean? And uh, so, so, does I this mean, end with you writing for The Simpsons? Where does this does? What's the what's the final thing wanna, with like consult even wanna, like? I don't want to write for a bunch of old white dudes. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'd rather yeah. make something more interesting. Yeah. You know, I love the show, but honestly, seasons one through ten, Comedy Hall of Fame, and then after that, it's like sure. okay. the first. The Simpsons is on right now because the first ten years are that good. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, you're that, right. That's you, a good point. How much credit do you have? From that, those first ten years are absolutely incredible, and then you have five years of like, all right, and then now it's like, well, we can't shoot Grandpa on the head. <laughs> <laughs> do you know? Right. That's all. You gotta get. You gotta just gotta wait it out. Yeah. Put him into hospice care. What are you gonna do? <laughs> and what are you gonna do? What I think they should do is just move. Move the new episodes to FXX and let them let dive them from no one watching now. it. Yeah, that could so. have definitely happen. So with uh, with your own career, mm. are you going to continue doing documentaries work, or do you want to? Do you have another project you want? It doesn't, and that's the beauty of yeah, documentaries. Yeah. To even think about like um, the guy uh, Billy Corbin, who's done you know Cocaine Cowboys and the U and all that stuff. He's yeah, fairly yeah, diverse. Yeah, yeah. He's very Miami centric, but as an example. You can choose different topics. It's just documentaries are good, right? So I mean, it's not so like you much. have to be the guy who attacks, right? Not even attacks, discusses uh, something like a poo, right? Is there is that something that you want to do with I your mean, career? I mean, there's so much more I could do, like uh, yeah. Haji, the guy from Short Circuit Two. We Don't got, even get me started on uh, that. That was blew me away. That was the one that really <laughs> that messed me up. That messed me because I love do, that movie. Voiced by a dog. Oh my goodness, <laughs> that that threw me. I was like, oh. That short circuit. That is, I didn't know that till like five years ago. And I was like, oh, that was Fisher Stevens? <laughs> that, I'm like, what? And I, but for me, it was like, this is another example of Hollywood racism. That poor actor can't get any more work. <laughs> oh, it was a white guy? I just thought it was an Indian actor who couldn't get work. Oh, it was even more messed up than oh, I thought. Oh, your misery is so funny in this situation. <laughs> Oh, man. I mean, I think, I mean, look, the documentary, I love the idea. I don't think it will be quite in the same area. But, like, that's the great thing about now. Like, media is so split up. Like, we can do anything. You're not forced to do one thing. And, you know, know, people were making fun of Donald Glover for wanting to do hip-hop. And now, really? He's he's double featuring on SNL this weekend. Yes, he's good at everything. And you're allowed to be good at everything. And you're allowed to do it all at once because the gatekeepers are different. You just make it yourself. Like, we have the technology. You buy a good camera and you learn to edit and you do it and it, you know there's no excuses so I love the idea that if I want to make another documentary I could do that and still work the road I mean it's been hard like a, a little bit when I get off stage and people are like I'm surprised you didn't you didn't talk about the Simpsons at all I'm like I don't know I kind of made a whole movie about it <laughs> <laughs> but I, you see that that's and that translates to um the uh, the great Jonathan Kite who's coming here for mm-hmm. June 2nd on that to get a plug in uh but you know, they're surprised when they meet that dude who is on Two Broke Girls who does like a fake Ukrainian accent that he's a guy from Chicago. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. It, it's it's funny. I don't know. It's a, it's a curse and a blessing because people come out because they know you mm-hmm. from something. But yeah. then whenever you come out and give a fire hour. But what does that tell you, though, that people like the idea of like representation matters? They think this guy is an actual Ukrainian guy. Yeah. Like, so you're telling me they watch this cartoon character and, and they don't know any brown people? Right. P- people, I mean, Dave Chappelle has that joke. The reason why they have to make all the phone numbers on, on 
TV and film 555. <laughs> it's just people are not going to call it, hey, is Indiana Jones there? Like, it's, <laughs> right, right, honestly? Right. Yeah. You're t- and you're telling me I'm being irrational that this is <laughs> seriously that they had to change how they did a fundamental part of film because people are that dumb. Yeah. Was that poor bastard? Had- <laughs> <laughs> I think that was on which was that on his first, but is on killing him softly. I think. Yes, yeah. it was. Because <laughs> people because people would call and it's ridiculous, unbelievable. Yeah, and then th- now you have lawyers like that won't let you name certain people. Things yeah, yeah, in yeah. case someone gets looked right, up or something. Exactly. So you know all about that. Well, we're looking forward to more projects for me. May eighth for the Netflix May 8th, special. Uh, next Tuesday, May eighth, the Netflix what, special. What's the best way to make that a return for you? Just watch it immediately. Mm. Is there? A, I mean, oh. what's you know what I mean? Where you're like, hey, be sure to share this so more people see it for Netflix. Are you? Is there There's something? No resi- I don't think I'm getting residuals or you, stuff. You just it's go really, watch it and be proud. I want of it. another Netflix special, and I want people to be like, hey, like. This guy probably should keep making stuff yeah. because this is good. And, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I think every comic who gets in it for stand-up, the thing they want more than anything is to keep doing stand-up, to have bigger crowds, and to continue to do it. Like, right. you know, when I was opening for Chris last year, it was interesting because it's like, this dude's done everything, but he's still pushing the next hour. He doesn't need yeah. to. He could just stop. But that's right. what it's all about is stand-up. And so for me, I mean, as long as I keep getting to perform forever... I'm happy, so just let let me keep doing what I want to do. And we're gonna get you out here, but you just brought up an interesting point. Oh, is mm. it is it what is that like seeing someone at that level continue to work like they're trying oh, to still it, eat? It's so inspiring. It's so inspiring. <laughs> I knew I would be inspired in a variety of ways, but it's still like also to see the switch, mm. like right before he walks out on stage, become Chris Rock. Like he becomes Chris Rock. Like you see his face and everything. It's like but we were just chatting earlier. That's but crazy. I just walked into your room so I could have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And now I was like, hey, Chris, can I get this? Yeah, yeah, hurry, of course. Just get yourself a peanut. Get out of here. Just get your peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And now I was in your Chris Rock. And I'm like, you're the dude from Bring the Pain. Like, his confidence and everything. And and I see the, you know, the nerves about the jokes before. And he's working through it and talking through it. And then just like every other comic. I mean, that's why comedy also is the great equalizer, right? With a new joke, an open micer and a, and a veteran are still in the same place of, I'm scared, I don't know if it'll work, yeah. you know? Like, that's crazy. It was, it was incredible, and it's like, it never ends. Like, stand-up, you don't age out of it. The only times you age out, and I, I really believe this, is if you can't keep up with what's happening. So whenever people say things are too politically correct, or like, you know, the college, because you can't play colleges, I'm like, you're, dude, you're aging yourself. Like... The second you start saying the kids these days, you're done. <laughs> right. The kids these days are the adults in like 10 years. Right. Like you need to understand what's going on because you'll be left behind otherwise. So to me, like watching him still be relevant and interesting yet grow at the same time. Yeah. Like he's relevant and interesting current while still talking about his, you know, how much he loves his kids, how much he loves his daughters. I mean, that's so... It, it, it's another example of like you just can't stop working right. when you love stand up. You just keep Ooh. reading and writing. And he's at that level where we just had Jordan Rock in here. Jordan's Chris Rock, great, man. he is, he is. But for like a Chris Rock or uh, for example, I've met Brad Pitt's brother and I've yeah. now met Chris Rock's brother. Yeah. Chris is so famous that you look at his brother Jordan, and you're just like, yeah, you're his brother. Yeah, aren't you? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you are. Oh, you're doing that thing that he kind of does. Jordan yeah. used to work as a production assistant on Totally Bias with That's W. Right. Kamau Bell when, okay. when yeah, I used to be a writer on there, and and you knew he was funny. Like he'd be fine. Like. Tony Rock is one of the most underappreciated comics in the country. Like Chris's other brother, yeah, Tony. Yeah, yeah. Tony, that dude deserves a show. Like he's had a bunch, but he yeah, deserves like something that's centered on him yeah. and like. 
that dude is so funny. Like that, all three of them are great. Obviously, not different fair. levels, but fair. oh, completely not fair. It absolutely. Is. And then their yeah. cousin Sherrod Small. Oh, like I always yeah, love that. Right. Like, Sherrod's hilarious. <laughs> right. Yeah, we uh, gave him shit. I told him like, you guys trying to catch the Wayne's brothers? What's this? Yeah. All about? yeah. yeah. Also, is it not in the Y chromosome? Is it just on the X chromosome? They're rock women doing stand up. <laughs> Oh man! So we gotta go. You gotta come see Hari at uh, Helium all weekend, all weekend long. long. Show him some love. Thursday, Friday, have a conversation. Saturday. Do you do the uh, the hellos after the show? It's gonna be awkward if he says no. Uh, I shouldn't have brought that up. If I if I'm not there after the show, that means the audience is very bad, and it's your fault. Yes, mm, there if you I go. am there, that means I was satisfied by you. <laughs> Helium, look for the special May 8th. Man, thank you so much for hey, coming man, by. It's a pleasure to be here. It's so much blast. fun. Thanks. We are live. Chris Denman, I am solo with Eternal Summer. Summers? Summers. Summers. I keep screwing so that up. I keep screwing that every single time. In town for a show at, uh, at Foam, kicking off a brand new tour. Excited to have you in. Thank you all so much for coming. First time performing in St. Louis? No. You've played, what, four or five times before, I guess? Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, absolutely a, a good feeling to be back, I'm sure, right? We have a, yeah. we have a good relationship with yes. St. Louis? Yeah, I mean, we've got some good friends in town, and it's always a very different experience. Um, bigger shows, tiny shows, big shows, tiny shows. So, you know, right. it's a it, salad. It's, it, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things, too, where St. Louis can be one thing, be like, oh, my God, it's our second home. Like, we're packed the house. Or if you catch it, we were just kind of chatting about this. You catch it where Cardinals have like a, a big game in town. You're like, why was anybody at our fucking show this time around? <laughs> and then you play on a baseball game and you're like an indie rock band at a cool show. It's like, that shouldn't affect who <laughs> yeah, we're pulling sorry. out. So that's uh, an interesting thing. Before we go too deep, uh, introduce yourselves real quick to everybody. Hi, I'm Jonathan. I play bass. Okay. Hi, I'm Nicole. I play guitar and sing. I'm Daniel and I play the drums. Is that all? Mm-hmm. He's like, he's like, and I'm, a, I'm the soul of the band. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I, I'm, I'm excited to have you. In. I've had the, the opportunity to listen to some of your music. You just put out. I don't know about just, but relatively new single on Spotify is available. Uh, I guess let people know. What was it two or three years since you've put out a new album? Is that what it is? Yes, three years. Three years. Yeah. Wow. And is that, isn't that crazy? That's really crazy. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. We were doing them like one after the other, like kind of one a year typically. Yeah. So. It's, it's nice too. And I'm sure the artist, um, relationship with Spotify can be weird or tr- it's like, I, I can't imagine that. It, I mean, it's nice that people know, but at the same time, as far as payment or whatever goes, it's a, it's a zero, <laughs> maybe not a zero, but it's some, but for me, it's like, well, it's nice that it's there and it, it's findable. But I guess whenever you head to that next level, maybe it matters more being there, right? Well, there's a, a, a look of frustration just came across the room. Yes. I mean, I think it's a great tool for research. And right. I mean, I'm, I, I definitely use Spotify to find bands that I'm, you know, curious about. Sure. But it's hard when you get that little check 17 cent check bands yeah yeah so well, yeah when somebody's profiting on it like hugely that's when it's an issue if it's like 
oh, this is just a thing where people are downloading it's music. Collective. I can even understand yeah. that a little bit more. But when somebody's making money off of what you're doing, that's like weird to me. Then you yeah. kind of scratch the surface on like who the major investors are. And it's like, oh, record labels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. run that thing. But I didn't mean to take it in a negative direction. No. But at the same time, it's like, okay, uh, would you call yourselves up and coming even though you've been around for a few years? I always find that funny. I interview a ton of comedians or people... Maybe they just book a TV show or they go on to Last Comic Standing or something like that. And like, this guy's really going to do it. It's like, motherfucker, he's been touring for 15 years. Yeah. You know, right. yeah. Like he's been doing it. Right. He's yeah. been yeah. doing it. And then now we're just lucky enough to see them. Do you guys have that feeling at all? Or do you still kind of feel like, hey, we're we're working our way into the scene? I, I assume you've been playing music for longer than the last couple of years. Yeah, I guess we've been a band for oh, quite a while. So mm-hmm. almost for, for bands these days. I think there are rarely bands that make it past four to five years, I think, these days. We're at nine. We're at nine years. That's impressive. I think. So yeah. Bands, bands yeah. with the same lineup, that is. Yeah, yeah. Same, like, yeah. like we were talking about yeah. that, too, where it's like usually one person will stay, and then it's a lot of different people kind of cycling in and out, which is fine for some people. But, yeah. It's weird, too, when they get to the point where there's no original members left. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. always, yep. I'm trying to think of an example. I think there's this band, uh, I remember being like younger, and uh, this band, Unwritten Law. It was like a pop mm-hmm. punk band mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, I think maybe there are no original members left <laughs> oh, like, no. in that one. And I'm like, wow, hey, at least the name carries on. I Great, guess there's yeah. still a band. Yeah. That's yeah. one of, and um, another, <laughs> I want to say, maybe that happened with Band of Horses as well. Like, they're close to that either way. But, uh, more on to you all. So nine years into this music and touring and the economy will change <laughs> a lot in nine years. Think about that. Yeah, like that's, that's pretty wild. Like I, I was, uh, we were about to get into this. I knew a guy who had, he was in a band that was uh, Victory Records. You know what that is? Mm-hmm. In Chicago. And he posted something where Fall Out Boy opened for him like in 2002. And he was in this band Spittlefield. And then now, and he's still like working, he still plays solo music and everything, but he was just like, boy, that feels like way longer than ago than that. And especially because you have the two different trajectories of bands, right? From that one playbill that he put up. And it's like, okay, you can go several different directions from this. I guess what I'm leading to with this, nine years in and where you all are, you're kicking off your tour here in St. Louis. What do you want to do with either the new album or just the direction of your band in 2018? Where do you want to take it? That's a weird question to add, to, 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 to feel, yeah. to feel. Like a, almost like thesis statement, right? Yeah. About you know tra- trajectory of of bands and stuff, and we've slowly been, we've just been going. His hand is moving there, up, like uh, towards upward. a mountain, yes. going upward. <laughs> yeah, you know. We, you know, we didn't like blow up and get a lot of hype and stuff like that. And Not yet. Know. Sell a song to Mercedes commercial, and then all of a sudden you're yeah. <laughs> you're playing theaters. Yeah. Like that's yeah. that's kind of how it works yeah. too. Like it's it's yeah. weird, right? Like that's not even. I don't know if you can call that selling out anymore, or if you no, can for like no, the last. No, 10 I really. Years. It's like how to keep going as a band. I think a long right. time ago you could be like, oh, they totally sold out. They've got a song and you know whatever. But now you you. Uh, if you Season solo. one of uh, of Judd Apatow's Love, our <laughs> song was in that. Is yeah. that right? Amongst uh, a lot, yeah, oh, a very yeah. variety of and things. You, yeah, you get a little bit of money so you can help make make a record. You know. It, yeah, and that's funny. You mentioned I, uh, Jordan Rock was in here uh, a couple weeks ago. Who's on yes. Love with yeah. Judd Apatow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
I, I'm interested because I don't know the business side of this too much. Is it similar to, I knew a few bands around like 07 that if you sold a song to, you know, Microsoft for a commercial or the Discovery Channel to use as bumper music, is it still worth it to put your name out there with the exposure and the, oh, hey, here, we'll break you off a little piece for your art, for your art as well? Because sometimes whenever things get super accessible, like we were talking about with Spotify, maybe the price drops a little bit. Is something like that worth it to a band to sell a song to something like a, a Netflix TV show? I would say, what are the downsides to it? You know, like right. to me, it's like in the current day and age, like you talked about Spotify mm -hmm. and it's like, there's so many different avenues with which to reach people. And it's not like, well, we're going to, I feel like there was before a time when it's like, well, we're just going to stick to this. Right. And it's like, I don't know if that's like viable anymore. I think you kind of have to like having a song in a TV show or in a movie or something, X amount of people are going to be like, I enjoyed that song. What was that? And look yeah. it up. There are totally websites that are devoted to like how to find songs that are in TV shows and stuff. Right. So in my mind, I think that's cool. You know, I think that's a positive, that's a kind of the positive outlook to it. You all seem very present too. And that's not a knock on musicians or anything, but if you go and you're putting yourself out there and you're able to come up with these opportunities, but also have this creative backing, you guys have great music to put out there with it. Then I think that's a positive thing overall. Right. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're like working through this. I hope that came off the, the right way too, because you deal with certain people and you see like, I don't know how you are making it. Even if you have <laughs> representation or anything else, like you can barely sit here and talk to somebody. But if you can kind of marry the, uh, I guess, affable with the creative side of things, I think that works out as well too. So I don't know, maybe that's you guys, maybe it's not. Well, I think a lot, a lot more is being demanded out of artists yeah um uh in a way that i don't know we always talk about this like all the best music and art isn't um available because it's in somebody's basement or it's like somebody who's too shy to promote themselves yeah and i think that's what's really hard about being a musician right now which is um not hard but it's a responsibility that's um, it's expected you're going to promote yourself on all the social media, even though maybe when you were 14 and you were like learning how to play guitar, you were like, Oh, I need to start honing my social media skills so that I can be a great musician one day. You don't right. say that, yeah. but that's kind of, it's part of it. And yeah. that's whether people like it or not, it just is. And I mean, I'm still grappling with it because um, it stresses me out. <laughs> of course. I mean, but, yeah. I mean, I do think it's just this whole thing of, you know, if you're going to sell your music or if you want people to hear it, uh, it's a, a little bit of a, a, a little bit of a handshake with the devil sort of thing. And it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I'm, no, I, I'm going to start fizzling out. <laughs> please, please. Yeah, no, I, I think no. I think it's it's good to hear those thoughts from you too, because at the same time, if you all go up and shit the bed in front of however many people in a new city, they're not going to forgive you for that. It's like, it's like that doesn't work. So it kind of can pull away from maybe the creative necessity of what you're doing, right? I mean, that's uh, getting a little heady with this, but at the same time, like I find that to be interesting. At somebody, you know, working their way into even if it's the mainstream or just bigger shows 
what kind of responsibilities are going to fall onto you all on a daily basis or what to ask of you mm-hmm. or what you feel is necessary personally, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think any of it is really necessary. Really? Yeah. Because ultimately, and this might be pie in the sky, but ultimately... We like music and we play it because it's fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a good yeah. yeah but that's a good I think for a band, I so. Hope. None of it's necessary. Our band could have broken up ten times already, and no one's missing one more band like right. in the world. Yeah, but you know, it's it's necessary for us when we want to put out another record because we have a disease called creativity and we need (laughs) to express ourselves because we just have so much to say (laughs) and so much to express. And so, you know, that's, that's part of it. Maybe a bit of a cliched question, but who, uh, who's inspired you? I mean, whether it's musicians or other artists or what, I mean, do you have, do you draw direct influence from any bands? I mean, I've listened to, I don't know, 10 of your songs and I like you hear certain things, but is there anything I'm interested to hear what you all are interested in or what has uh, inspired you to create what you create? I think we all pull from different stuff and even in songs or even in sections of songs, I think we're all pulling from like three different directions and we all like a lot of the same stuff, but like, well, and it's never talked about beforehand. It's always like, Oh, that part to me is kind of this. And it's like, Oh, that's funny. Cause I think of it this way, (laughs) you know? And then even as far as like, there are definitely, I would say certain bands that we all are really into Mm -hmm. have influence on sound in some ways, but maybe even then it's more production or it's maybe more this. And then like the first band that comes to mind for me that uh, Daniel and I just saw recently was Yola Tango. And then it's like musically sure, but it's even almost more what they are as a band, Mm -hmm. you know, where they do whatever they want and they are amazing. Like right. they just get better and better and better. It's like, Oh, here's a band that's been together for over 30 years. And I think just get better and better, you know? So for me, that's what I would say. But I wonder if it's weird to those guys. Like, I want to think like Ohm, the song Ohm. Yeah. They did. I feel like that was like, like used on like sports radio stations and stuff like that. <laughs> like, I wonder what the dudes in Yola Tango, like they like, because they have, they grind it out. The Nationals, another band that you think of is like all of a sudden, like people are like, yeah, these guys are really great. And like they've been touring for forever. forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see how that uh, surfaces, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. What about you? I mean, it's all over the place. I do think like, uh, I'll tell the guys, okay, um, this guitar part or whatever is, you know, I stole this from like, I like, I like Squeeze, I like Bjork, I like The Clash and stuff like that, but none of these things come out uh, ever. Right. And um I think for I think we would all admit because we've gotten better as musicians in this band. I think we can all say that. Okay, they're nodding. So, they <laughs> <No>. agree. <laughs> yeah, sure. But I think like um whenever there's been a um an idea of like, this sounds like, um, like for instance, we all like the band, the CN cake or, um, it will never sound like that because like the three of us were not trained instrumentalists. Mm -hmm. We're very like intuitive. We all have a very specific and special way of playing that works together very well. But I think 
um, because we're not necessarily necessarily like virtuosic or like on our instruments in this way where if someone was like, please just like copy this like guitar line like verbatim. Right. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't be able to do that per se, but um, I think that limitation uh, keeps us from sounding like any of our influences. No, but that's, in a, a, that's a good thing. Yeah, but I think in a good way. And I, 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 I remember like um, when we, uh, when the band first started, uh, it was just Daniel and myself, like basically struggling with our instruments because my guitar playing was just barely, barely Velvet Underground level, <laughs> and and I mean, I'm not gonna say anything about Daniel's drumming. It was amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> we call it. I, mean, I call it. Remains it I call amazing. It I think that didn't even need to be said. It right? doesn't. Yeah. But I, I think like knowing what our limitations were, we knew what our like our tiny little strengths were. So, um, I think just like showcasing that, and then when Jonathan joined the band, it was like, okay, we've got more room to explore things because now there's more sound coming from from the low end, and it's. But I, I do think. Um, like especially for this record, I do think there were some thoughts about like you know as we mentioned before like the C and Cake and Stereo Lab and I mean the Cardigans and things like that it's were Bossa Nova. Bossa Nova and some like jazz influence or jazzier pop Elements. influence, but mm-hmm. I don't think we ever felt like at least you guys can correct me like. Oh, this is. It'd be great if you guys started arguing. I know, yeah. I know. We well, could mean, use the make it interesting. Yeah. Right? I know. You guys yeah, can yeah, yeah. correct me now. Oh, there he goes. Oh, finally, me. Yeah. finally, he's got a voice in this band. Yeah. What's going on? Is that a fart in the van? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I don't. Yeah, we're just we're just too random and organic and not thought through to be like, this is this is the album that's our rush album. You know. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to say there is a time and there was like a period where we were like into Rush. Really? I mean, not that, we're, not that we're not into Rush, but it's we like, still are. but but it's like I think we're like this song definitely has, and it's like no one would ever listen to that song and be like, oh, they were definitely into Rush at right. this moment. Yeah. You know, yeah. they got high and decided to make a Rush song. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's also like influence and being inspired from things you could like, like. I guess like uh, bands like the Grateful Dead and then uh, early like bands that I think are like punk bands, even though they don't sound like punk, you know, but you're taking the influence. It's like their ideology or something like that. Then you apply that to your music. So it's not like you're like copying someone's music or their sound, but maybe their approach to it. Yeah. I think approaches where it comes in to be like, you know. You're getting, you're catching hell. I'm following right along. Yeah. You're, you're getting, you're getting mocked to your right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, this is what we do. That was no, I, I totally agree. Right. <laughs> but it was just a right. chance for me, you, yeah, no, for me to have, mime I a bong hit. Yeah. I almost, I almost uh, <laughs> took the pass and almost said ethos, like of a bit where it's like, yeah, I yeah. mean, wow, yeah, that's what you're thinking of. I think of like uh, stuff that we do, and I'm like, uh, I, I'm totally right there with you, even if it's a band. I'm like, I'll take a Lucero approach to this. I don't know if you know who that band yeah, is, yeah. but yeah. yeah. So it's like. Yeah, they sell out a 300-person seat, and maybe they do two, three shows in a weekend. And if they walk by you in the street, you're not going to know who they are, right? But they're diehards or they're diehards, and 
throw in they get uh, a song in uh, the singer's mo- brother's movie once in a while or something you know what i mean you know what I'm uh, not so, to yeah. be super specific but yeah, yeah. Not, yeah i mean god i don't know much about I, Lucero, don't know. But, uh, I mean just like a random <laughs> band i've heard of <laughs> or they have a song in a tv show or something like that but it's uh, yeah <laughs> that was that a tell is that yeah. what i just said uh, not so uh, uh, there, what t-shirt do you have on your leg yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I wore a Sergio Simpson t-shirt this morning. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a fan of his. Yeah, I, I enjoy him a lot. He's uh, an interesting case, too. And I'd be interested to hear from a musician's standpoint. That guy was playing the same venues that uh, you're playing right now, probably six years ago, five mm-hmm. years ago, maybe less. I, don't, I can't remember. But uh, he's playing those and, you know, selling a decent amount of tickets, things like that. And then... The guy won a fucking Grammy, and he's on Saturday Night Live and all this stuff, and still I think holds on to the you know middle finger up to yeah. to Nashville or what he would call like corporate country. But uh, I guess it, it's weird to see some to see someone in the industry you're in just rocket up. And I'm not saying gradual motion too, but again, not out of nowhere, but just blowing up. I guess, uh, and I'm sure you all have other examples too. Uh, would you want to take part in something like that or would you prefer a more gradual climb? Because I, I feel like some people handle it really well. Others maybe. Eh. I don't I don't think I would refuse that. Right. Like if all of a sudden our new album came out and people were like all over it and mm-hmm. we were like playing all of these bigger places with bigger bands, playing on TV, I'd be like, okay, this is what's supposed to happen. Right. It's but like, it was, you're not going to turn down winning the lottery, right? Yeah, right, yeah, like, right well, yeah. you work hard and you have a good but, life and you, you earn your money, you know. You, know, you want to be smart about it and not let it get to your head and all of that. But also, yeah. if we just kept playing small gigs and stuff, I'd say, all right, this is what's supposed to happen yeah. too. You know? Yeah. I think it's, it's a wonder that people even come to shows of ours. Isn't it? I mean, I think in general, it's, I mean, I think, I remember we went, we were on tour with um, that band, Not A Surf. And, <laughs> yeah. And I'm 33, so like they're, what was I, like 10 or 11, whenever the yeah. popular song came oh, yeah, out. Popular? So I know the hell out of that yeah. song. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. And yes. um, I think, I mean, Matthew, uh, the lead singer, he's just a very gracious person. Very, yeah. And um, I just remember him, like thanking the crowd and just be like, I can't believe you guys even are here. And I was like, that's a good point because especially when I think about us living in, you know, Appalachia, Appalachia mm-hmm. and, um, you know, random people in major cities showing up to come to our shows. I, it's like, you got to hold on to that. Yeah. You have to, right? Or you just you turn into Kanye on Absolutely. TMZ. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? No. I, exactly. <laughs> you lose your fucking I mean, mind. Oh, man. Yeah. You know, because technically, you all are in the same business. I'd just like to point that out. No, yeah, that could true. happen. That's to you. hilarious. That could happen to you. So none of us will be running for president <laughs> in the next yeah. eight years. He will be, I'm sure. I kind of. Anyway, that's another conversation. Yeah. yeah like, well, when we come yeah. back, we'll discuss yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. When the wheels are in motion. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm preparing my state mandated Kanye leather workout pants. And and our dragon energy. And our dragon energy. <laughs> yeah, and our dragon, and energy. Our dra- dragon energy. Right. Oh, yeah. could you imagine? Um, mm. Oh, my. Let's more press, though. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Too right. Yeah. Too late. Hey, maybe this is what does your overnight thing, yes, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Is, there will be a headline tomorrow. Yeah. in St. Louis. Yeah. 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 
Check yes. out this podcast. Uh, yeah. Hashtag Kanye West. Right. <laughs> Man, dude, I'll tell you that from my point. So I was I was telling Nicole. I just uh, we interviewed uh, Hari Kondabalu like literally right before he came over here. He's got the whole. He did the documentary on the problem with a poo, and people are taking it the wrong. In my opinion, I had a fantastic conversation with him. But from the get go, he's kind of like, oh, well, let's just talk about it. Let's. This is my point of view. I didn't say burn the Simpsons down. Right. All this stuff. So and like, people are like, well, he's encroaching on this or that. it's like really he's just playing the same lane as everyone else. He's like he brought an issue now counter intelligently right. right? But <laughs> it is it's it's funny too from my perspective. Like, you know, do I hashtag it the problem with the poo? Like, do I tag the Simpsons to see if I can get a jab out of them for that? And like. That's a weird place to be, but I feel like that's, again, 2018. Like, if somebody gets into a fight at your show and there's some kind of goofy viral moment, like, you're like, yeah, we'll get that video out there with our name tagged on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we're not going to do that, man. It's like one of those things where it's like, ah, we all have to get there somehow. And if it's cheap, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, <laughs> these are weird things I think about. Yeah, oh, wow. it's, it's, it's strange, too. But... Uh, I guess uh, on the road, uh, we'll go with something cheesy here. So when you guys are on the road, yes. what's, uh, what are your favorite things to do in city? Do you have time to go enjoy? Do you go do the, the famous really. burger? No, you go in, you we, play. We try. Yeah. It's like typically you're asking somebody who works in the venue, like, what's a good healthy option right. for food? I like a lot of times we'll try to maybe find a record store within a couple miles. Sure. And like jog to it if you yeah. have time. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, right. yeah. 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 This, it, what, do you run into these people on the road? You have to. Uh, do you maybe fresh faces, 20-year-olds that are maybe having a little of a hot streak or something. I see them and like you hear what they do and they're like, yeah, man, I've been hammered for like six days. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. yes. Holy oh. shit. Like may, I probably did the same thing yeah. when I was that age at, just in a college town. But like it, it will rip you apart, I'm sure. Like oh. it makes you wonder like, how do these guys that have done it for 50 years do it? Like, seriously, yeah. like, I, I don't know. Like, you're, I guess a lot of them don't and they break up or they're I mean, doing Dr. Drew's TV show. We've been show. on tour <laughs> with bands at the end of the Your end life. of it all. Well, when you see the results of that mm -hmm. and, um, it, and they all knew, you like, it's over. It's, it's, this is over because, you know, we partied so hard that we partied. Partied, partied away from each other. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Party, party, party the rock away. Yeah. I can't remember the guy's name. He was in Three Dog Night. And he was <laughs> explaining. Like and he was explaining <laughs> that they had like, I want to say, $8 million a piece for a summer tour on the table for one of these like reunions of the 70s or something like that. And he couldn't get them to sit in the same room together. And the one guy he met with was like, incoherent out of his mind it's like dude you're 60 now like what's happening here so it's weird. i guess maybe that's kind of the it takes um people that might have some inner issues to make good art sometimes so you're gonna have more of a a, a sample size <laughs> of that <laughs> at the, at yeah. the top you know what i mean then, yeah and if you take those people and then put them out on the road and if they're like doing drugs and drinking like that they're just gonna kind of go downhill a little bit so right yeah well, that's not you all. Buying yeah, buy into eyes. the dream. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I wanted it. I was going to say that there was, um, do you all remember the band? You there's, And it's not going to make sense. I'm just going to out myself here. There was a band, Asobi Sexu. Yeah. 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 Okay. I'd like to admit 
one of your songs, I was like, oh, this sounds like a Sobe sex suit. Immediately, I was like, am I being lazy because of your ethic? I'm like, yeah, am no, I, being, I used but, to feel that way. But I think it's fair, though, to point out, like, no, there's some similarities. You guys aren't, like, full-on shoegaze like no. they were uh, rocking out. But I thought there were some vocal similarities, and I was like, I want to see what, uh, what you all think about this because it was natural to that. And then uh-huh. I go... Wait a second, I've seen a picture, and I'm yeah. like, am I doing this because of that? And I liked that band, yeah. so I'm like, hmm, Well, hey, that band is good, so... Yeah. Right, yeah. So it's a compliment like, It's no a compliment, yeah. but I feel like we have gotten different things where I try not to over... over... Uh, <laughs> overanalyze, uh-huh. but we've been... We definitely have been... Compared to Deerhoof as well, uh, who I love, who yeah. I love. But we don't sound anything. No, you don't, like, not no. at all. But it is two we'll white guys and Asian, girl. and we like. have been <laughs> uh, so compared to Blonde <laughs> so Redhead before as well. Okay. So Sorry, Blonde Redhead, I just love Deerhoof. Blonde Redhead. Yeah. I mean, love it, love you know, it's the Asian well. girl, white guy sandwich. You know. Yeah. Oh, and to be fair too, there's like there's a couple licks. I'm like, oh, if this was in a Stroke song, that would you know that would work too. And I'm sure there's 50 bands we could sit here and name like that. But it's weird too because also what could uh, maybe push you to the front of the line might get a little old uh, being compared to all the time too because there's maybe a uniqueness that you're not three dudes from uh, a garage. You know what I mean? That's true. And I try not to um, fault people too much about it because everybody, especially with music, I mean, any type of media, people love to categorize things like this is Tiffany what, Haddish is being hired for everything right now in the entertainment industry, and she's a black female. Yeah. And it's like, she's also super talented. Yeah. But you do, you find that, like, what's hot, like, what's in, and yeah. that's what you're striving for. Oh, I mean, yeah. yeah. And it's, yeah. And so you can't really fault people for having that type of brain because we all have it. We all categorize things. We're a lot more simple than we give ourselves absolutely. credit for. Absolutely. <laughs> and so, animals. Yeah. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate. Um, I, I think the other thing that's unfortunate is the whole f- female fronted thing. Like that's a genre, but it's not. Yeah. yeah. Um, so because <laughs> yeah, right. I I'm mean, somebody being like, "You're such a good girl singer." Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, how yeah. many conversations we've had when somebody's like, "Man, your guitarist really rips," and I'm like, "Yeah, totally." And then they're like, "Man, I, just for a girl," and then I'm like, "Oh, <sighs> I know." Yeah, you really know. just go, "Yeah, come right. on." <laughs> yeah. Just yeah, it's 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 yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, yeah, the skin has become thick, yeah, and I'm, I don't worry too much about it anymore. Well, you let your art speak for itself at the end, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, like you're going to it foam tonight. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, good book. Yeah, nicely, yeah. Gotta weave that back in there. Uh, where do we, uh, where do we follow you guys? So obviously, you can find them on Spotify, but uh, website. How do we buy merch, albums, all that stuff for your next time through? Sure. Um, you can go to our label, uh, Novato Records, NovatoMusic.com. or you can find us. Just find us at Bandcamp because that's where yeah. everything is including our albums on our previous label, Canine Records. Um, that's probably the good place to go. Bandcamp. Yeah. Eternalsummers.bandcamp.com <laughs> do, you, do you keep your social media up to date? I try. But, <laughs> but you know what? It, it's overwhelming. It, it okay, is. what I find I mean, is if I don't I was going to say post, I'll blast out your stuff. If so. I don't post on uh, 
band handle Eternal Summers on Instagram <laughs> uh, like every day. Uh, like, no, I, I, I don't want to because I don't come up with content like that because I find it lightly degrading sometimes. <laughs> but um, I just do feel like people expect that. And then if you haven't posted in a while, they're like, what? You know, who are you again? And it's weird. They for, they're just like, don't pay attention or something. Like, oh, hey, what's been going on? Like, I'm, I'm following. Like, everything? They're like, well, I haven't seen you post anything because yeah. I'm Fuck. busy. Oh. Yeah, well, like, it's like everybody anything. follows <laughs> like, yeah. Right? yeah. Everyone follows like a thousand or more accounts. And so yeah. if you just post once on one day and then you don't post for four days, there, I mean, does does a tree exist? <laughs> yes. If it, you know, yeah. trees falls. You know what I'm saying. Posts a vacuum. If Instagram right. yeah. post, yeah, it's posted, but no one sees it. Was it the, really ever posted? Exactly. All right. That's exactly. what my grandfather's always said. Yes. So I'm glad you all know <laughs> yeah. that. Yes. Saying that as wisdom. Well. Yeah. Instagram yeah. wisdom. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure having <laughs> you. Yeah. Tried and true. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you have, you'll have to come back through, and uh, we can get. Uh, we do this really cool thing uh, at a studio. It has a, a studio in a bar, so we'll have to get you back to play a couple songs and to hang awesome. out and that uh, sounds fun. have a yeah. coffee, have a beer, whatever you guys are into. So thank you so much. I'm really excited to have you all, and uh, we'll have to get you back in next time through, huh? Right on. Thanks, Thanks for having us. us. Thanks all. We are live, live, live.